Welcome to episode 41 of the Horror Dads podcast. I am John, joined by my brother-in-law and hey. co-host, hey. Jamie. Jamie, what's up, dude? What's up, man? How are you? Oh, just floating over here. Yeah, I, this was good. I'm on so, a holiday high. <laughs> we're on a holiday high. So we are talking about holiday horror films, which is why Jamie's saying that. And uh, typically we record these intros after we do our interviews. And this is one of those interview episodes. Um, so if you are new to the show, welcome. If you're not new and coming back, you know, thanks for returning. We appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, but this is a, an interview episode. So we're going to do a quick introduction here. Cover our standard stuff, what we've been watching, what we're wearing. Um what we've been buying, all that stuff, and then we're going to jump into our interview. And who did we interview, Jamie? Derek Munger. Derek Munger. Who is just, he's our new friend because he's amazing. Yeah, sometimes we do this and we schedule these things, and it's like, oh, are we going to get on well with these people? And this was one of those conversations. We always do. We, we do. And this was no exception. This was one of those that we just like jumped in stride. It was like we knew each other for years kind of deals. Yeah, so the thing is, we typically do a prelim call. We didn't get a prelim call with Derek uh, because he was traveling back from Austin, and uh, it didn't matter because it was like old friends. Yeah, it was great. So Derek's great. He filmed an indie movie called You Are Not Alone. Uh, took place on 4th of July, first-person horror slasher. Uh, and we talk a lot about that movie. Um, unfortunately... Due to some distribution issues, um, it's tough to to find that right now. So if you're uh, really looking for a copy, um, just go ahead and reach out to to Jamie and I, and we'll we'll connect you with Derek, and we'll try and find yeah, a way in future to. Get yeah, you and to that be able sucks because this movie's great. Uh, I think more people should see it. And what's funny is if you look, um, like if you were to Google, um, you are best not alone. Fourth of July. Well. If you just Google best 4th of July horror films, this is going to be on a list. Yeah. I, I found it on several lists, and you can't find the movie anywhere. John was lucky enough to find it years ago streaming. On um, Prime, yeah. I had never seen it, and he kept talking about this goddamn movie. He was talking about it on Patreon and stuff, and I was like, what is this movie from the 70s? And he was like, no, it's it's not from the 70s. It's from, like, 2015. Yeah, there's a, a movie. Like, in what this. are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah, I just watched it today and it was a lot of fun. It reminded us a lot of uh, uh, our home life in Ohio, even though the movie takes place in uh, Princeton, Illinois, uh, or Walnut, Walnut, Illinois. Illinois. Yeah, right next to Princeton. Uh, but that is, it's very, um, it gives you that small town uh, vibe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. A lot of so, fun. So, what have you been watching, man? Oh, dude. So, um, I finally watched that movie, The um, Legend of Wolf Hollow. Yeah? How was it? You've seen this, uh, like, on streaming platforms, right? Yeah. You haven't watched it yet? No. A lot of fun, dude. It's uh, quirky. And I know that you don't like... You're very weird with comedy horror. Yeah. Uh, If it's a little too funny or too slapstick, you're definitely out. Uh, this movie is not slapstick. It's it's uh, quirky, is the best word for it. I'd say, um, essentially about a, a small town like deputy. Uh, his dad is a sheriff, but his dad is pretty much on his way out, and uh, we have a series of murders taking place in the town, Ooh. which is essentially the setup for any werewolf <laughs> movie, right? 
but yeah, the no, cattle this one... have gone missing again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what's that? My daughter happens to be out on her first date on yeah. the night of a full moon. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a lot of the standard tropes, which you can't make a horror uh, or a werewolf movie without without those tropes. But uh, yeah, no, it's dude, it's a lot of fun. So I think fun. you'll love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those where when I was watching it, I was like, John's gonna like this. Because I think you'll really love the main character. All right. I'll check it yeah, out. I think you should watch it. Anything else you've been watching you want to mention? Uh, no. We're good. Uh, well, I I hit the Fear Streets. I, I did one oh, and yeah. two. Yeah. So it's fr- right now we're recording. This will be out next week. So what are your thoughts so far? So you're done with both, right? So I still have to finish the second one. Yeah. So I saw the 90s one mm-hmm. um, and then the summer camp one. So I'll say this, the the first one, the 94 one. Yes. That's the only movie that I've watched since Scream where I go, this reminds me of Scream. <laughs> All right. You know what I mean? Like Urban Legend didn't do that for you. I, all the, <clears throat> those movies all came out around, I mean like now. Yeah. Recently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like since the 90s. You know what I mean? I think that's a fair assessment. Because you had those, you had the scream knockoffs. Obviously, this is this is. I'm I'm talking like 2000 and beyond. Yeah, I we had a close buddy of ours, uh, Andrew Zider. Um, Andrew, hi, we love you. But he texted me and said, uh, "Did you watch this yet?" And I said, "No, not yet. I'm, I'll get around to it." People keep talking about it, and he said it's uh, basically like uh, Scream meets uh, Stranger Things, and it, really that sums it up. So. I, I enjoyed both. Um, I did enjoy the summer camp one more, um, but I'm excited to check well, out the yeah the the last installment. So that just came out tonight, and I'll probably watch it at some point this weekend. So I'm looking yeah, forward to that. Those are great. Yeah, but I've I've been weighing, so I'm I'm, I'm pleased. Oh with yeah, it. dude. You know, it, it's rare when stuff comes out nowadays, um, especially yeah. on Netflix now. I used to love Netflix, and now I kind of have a stigma of Netflix where, like, oh. You know, it's it's so. hard to find something that gets it all right. Like, oh, it's good directorship, and it's good photography, and it's good story, and it's good acting, and it's good, and it's good, and it's good. Yeah. All right, what are you wearing, man? All right, so today I have a Terror Threads fucking classic. So uh, the theme today is holiday horror films. Um, all of our favorite holiday has to be Halloween. Uh, if it's not Halloween, just shut the podcast off because you shouldn't <laughs> listen. Uh, but uh, mine is Michael Myers. Uh, this is the original Halloween t-shirt. Uh, if if you don't know what Terror Threads is, go check it out because their shit is yeah, fucking amazing. Yeah, they've got really good stuff. Yeah. It's a uh, fire, as the kids say. Uh, but this is just essentially all orange and white uh, on the black tee, and it looks fucking stunning, dude. Yeah, that is. That I went sure into is. the uh, gas station today on my way here, and uh, the Someone attendant. You could t- <laughs> she didn't say anything, but she said everything with her eyes. You know, you could tell she was like, "What's it, happening?" It wasn't you. She was what checking month out. It is was it? Shirt. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, I. Uh, what are you wearing? Shameless self promotion. You're what also I'm wearing, wearing uh, something with striking orange and white. I actually have a horror dad's T-shirt on. Oh, look at you. And you could, too, if you go to HorrorDads.com and uh, check out our merch shop. But, yeah, I... I, You should, too. I Yeah, you should. Yeah. 
I've got the Horror Dads tee on. Um, but yeah, if you guys are interested, uh, we're working on some new <laughs> designs right now, uh, solidifying all, all of that. But we've got a little bit of inventory left on our first run of merch. Uh, so if you had to head over to HorrorDads.com, um, you can look at maybe picking up a t-shirt. Yeah, badass website. Um, all right, so John. Yes. We have a couple things to talk about here. So uh, the new Halloween 4K set coming out. What do you think? Yeah. Are you out on this? I mean, I I was kind of out on the Friday the 13th one, and then I bought it. So yeah. right well, that, now I'm that out That was on, not 4K, right? No, no, no. It's, yeah. it's Blu-ray. Uh, so right now, though, I'm out on Halloween 4K until um, tomorrow when I text you and say I bought a, a 4K yeah. player and... Can't wait for it. I think as of now, I'm I'm out as well. Uh, that could change, like you said. Yeah, I mean, it could change in a day. So the only Blu-ray that I still need from the original is Part 5, which I love. I don't know why I don't own it. It's the only one I don't own. Uh, really? But, yeah. Are there any that you're missing, or do you have them all, Blu-ray? On Blu-ray, I'm missing 4 and 5. But, oh, yeah. four and five, dude. Uh, let me look. Yeah. 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 Uh, four and five both I'm missing. Interesting. And the Rob Zombies, but those don't count as No, no, no. I, I won't. I have no. I have those <laughs> no, in the. Uh, I don't need them. Toilet paper form. Yeah, I just don't. All right. Yeah. All right. So, anyway, family antic. What do you got going on, bud? Oh, yeah. I've got, <laughs> I've got a fun one. Nice. So, last night. Um, my other nephew, so not your son, but my wife's sister's son, he was here and he goes, uh, he's, he's, I think he's eight. Yeah, he's eight. And he goes, uh, do you have a podcast equipment downstairs? I was like, yeah, I do. He was like. Do you have time for an interview? And I said, uh, with you? And he goes, what? yeah. And I was like, all right, yeah, let's do it. And he goes, and I, and I asked him, I said, are you going to interview me or am I going to interview you? Like, how, how do you want to do this? And he said, uh, we're, we're, we're going to interview each other. And then Finley, my daughter, of course, was like, yeah, I want to be involved too. So we came down here and we had a 15-minute discussion. Uh, and he actually had some really, like, poignant questions. He, he uh he was asking about, um, so I, I'm going to publish it on our Patreon. So yeah. if you guys are interested, nice. go ahead and jump on there. It's roughly a 15 minute discussion, but it was, it was super cute the way he like approached me about it. And he was like very offstandish and, um, kind of nervous about it. And then I, I tuck him in the guest room to go to bed and I'm walking out and I hear him, I hear he was listening to the podcast before he went to bed and i just it was a very sweet moment and it was kind of it was it was nice so nice yeah yeah that's cool yep what's going on with your family man all right so with the with the summer i've been trying to get my seven-year-old to watch more movies more classic stuff you know he watches uh i want to say bullshit but it's stuff that <laughs> he loves, you know, um, some Disney stuff and Nickelodeon shitty shows that he watches. So, 
Uh, more power to him for loving what he loves. Uh, but I've been trying to make him watch some throwback movies. Um, what I'll do is I'll catch him right around 10 o'clock, like bedtime. And I'll say, hey, you want to watch a movie? And um, if it's something he doesn't like, he falls asleep. And if it's something he likes, he watches it. And um, the other day I made him watch uh, Stand By Me. Oh, what do you think? I think you remember that movie. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, based on the Stephen King no- uh, novella, um, The Body. And uh, so it's not horror, but it's horror adjacent. Uh, and it's from one of the greatest horror writers of all time. So and it's I'll all about it. coming of yeah. age and <clears throat> friendship. And, um, and, yeah. Yeah, no, he sat there or he lay there with me and he watched the entire thing. And uh, we had a lot of fun watching it. And, you know, he's laughing and. Um, asking a lot of questions, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, there were some words he shouldn't have heard. Uh, they yeah. dropped the hard F in there a couple times, which yeah. we always cringe at. Yeah, uh, we're not was... talking about the, uh, <clears throat> we're not talking about the, the actual F word. Yeah. I uh, know the, the, the one that's actually worse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, that was part of the eighties and it's one of those things you kind of have to end up explaining. Yeah. Uh, but well, yeah, like no, but we had a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, the younger one, the three-year-old is finally getting into Scooby-Doo. Um, he's now, uh, obsessed with Scooby-Doo and the Boo Brothers. So, dude, and uh, we, we talked about that, that on, uh, yeah, we're going to mention episode. that in the episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I love, I, I love that it, you know, it's coming along. My kids are progressing. Uh, so we're getting there, but yeah. Yeah. Very good. Have you been buying anything recently? Yeah, dude. So I actually just bought that new toxic coffin. Um, nightmare, they have this little nightmare collection. Um, and I bought the, uh, Springwood slasher tea, which is just badass. If you haven't seen it, go over to, uh, toxic coffins website and check that out because dude, not only are they pumping out killer fucking shit always, but this, this shirt is on point. Yeah. And we're going to have them on the, sh- well, the plan is to have them on the show. Yeah. In September, yeah? we, yeah. uh, talked to him this week and. Uh, they'll have some fun stuff that they're going to launch for the, you know, Halloween season. So we're going to have them on. Yeah, yeah. And those dudes are a couple of horror dads as well. So yep. I can't wait to uh, just shoot this shit with them. Yeah. Good guys. So check out Toxic Coffin for sure. Um, so I've not really been buying stuff because I have to have two enormous trees removed. Um, oh, which no. going to happen this week. And I had a huge uh, drain project done, and I did all my mulching today. Yeah. Um, so I'm talking about dad life. Uh, got dadded pretty hard. For sure. No, it happens. Yeah. Um, there's also a Arrow Blu-ray sale going on right now, isn't there? Yeah. So until next week when I'm like, yeah, I'm uh, not getting the trees taken down. I spent uh, $4,000 on Blu-rays instead. Uh, when the trees fall yeah. in your house while you're watching your <laughs> Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> so um but yeah so that's uh what's going on on that front but yeah we have some plugs we've got really uh exciting stuff to share here so by the time this episode airs uh another episode will have aired for a show that we have um guest uh appeared on yeah we're gonna be guests on our buddy Michael show. Yeah, our buddy Michael with the We Love Horror podcast. Um, we're on his show talking about, he's doing like a um, winter in July sort of theme 
uh, and uh, we're talking through Krampus with him. Uh, so please go over to the We Love Horror podcast. Check it out. Um, just honestly, one of the <laughs> nicest uh, humans alive. He's Definitely. a great dude, and he's he's a lot of fun. And So unfortunately, so what he does is he has, when he has guests on, he has them pick a movie for the topic, which was winter in July. And then he picks one, and then he throws it out to a pool to uh for you know instagram users to vote yeah between the two uh our choice lost our yeah. gremlins choice yeah he so said, we're going to talk about krampus which goes, we also uh, go ahead and nominate a movie that's winter themed and i was like okay cool and instantly i said it's probably gonna be gremlins but let me check with jamie and i was like hey are you okay with Gret? and before it was even out of my mouth he was like oh yeah lens yeah <laughs> but uh yeah so check out the uh, We Love Horror podcast. We're we're on over there. Um, I mentioned we've got some new merch coming soon, so keep an eye out for that. But if you want to check out our existing stuff, please go to horrordads.com, uh, and you can go ahead and outfit yourself uh, with a with a tee. Yeah. Um, we also have a new Patreon bonus episode that we're getting ready to record with our wives. Uh, the topic is going to be. I can't even really say this out loud. So fucking dumb, right? Like suntan lotion? No, it's horror hotties. I would like to have put suntan lotion on my back <laughs> is what they decided upon. So oh, what Jesus. could fucking go wrong, right? Yeah. So we're going to talk to our wives. They're each going to pick five horror hotties in their mind that they would like to have put suntan lotion on their back. And we're going to argue with them about it. Yeah. Um, and uh, on that note, please go ahead and check out our Patreon. Um, we have a $5 tier and a $10 tier, and we've got two brand new patrons we want to welcome. Who are they? All right, so we have Pat Brennan up in Canada, who is an amazing nice. writer. Pat, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us, man. Thank you, Pat. Yeah, and your articles are fantastic. Uh, Pat's a fellow horror dad, and we've been communicating with him um, on Instagram for for several months now and he's just a really great dude and a great dad and just pleasure to to know you and we just really appreciate you man yeah man great to have you on board and then we've also got peter sudol peter from peter! the theater dude welcome i've uh, been really talking with you and 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 getting to know you uh met you through the, the guys over at alone in the dark and just thank you so much uh you're about to join the horror dad club yeah, and if you need to buy or sell a house in the New Jersey area, fucking get with Peter Sudol because he'll hook you up. Yeah, he's he's the guy. But uh, Peter's a great dude, and um, just really appreciate you joining us, man, and enjoying the content and uh, being our friend and just being an awesome guy. Yeah, and you should be having a baby any day now. Yeah, it's 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 it might be happening tonight. Yeah, yeah. So uh, congratulations, buddy. Yeah, congrats, man. Uh, last thing to mention. The reason I'm a little hoarse, I've been doing a lot of vocal work. Um, so I've got a, a new EP coming out um, on a music project I've been working on, but Gabe Reasoner, who uh, we had on the podcast uh, a couple months ago, uh, sings in a band called Careful Gaze. Uh, so please check out Careful Gaze if you've oh, not. Oh my God, yeah. Such a great, great... Great, Where have you great, been? Great band. Yeah. Um, but Gabe was kind enough to agree to 
to collaborate on a track with us. So I, I made music with Gabe. Oh, nice. Okay, you know when you go golfing and the person you're golfing with is better than you, so you kind of like play up a little bit, and you're like, oh, I'm a little better than I thought I was? Yeah. I thought that was going to happen here, and it didn't. And Gabe is just actually kind of made me feel a little bad about myself because he's so fucking good. Um, but really excited to share this with everybody. Uh, we'll go ahead and publish it uh, as soon as it's ready, but we're going to have a new EP coming out here. Nice. Um, probably early August. Awesome. Yeah. But I think that's it for uh, intro stuff. You want to get into our interview with Let's our buddy? Let's do it. Happy holidays, fuckers. Let's get into it. All right, so we are very thrilled to welcome our friend Derek Munger. Derek is a director and producer. He's directed the film You Are Not Alone. Derek, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're so happy to have you on, man. Uh, John's been... John won't shut up about your movie, so uh, here we are. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So, backstory on this. Derek uh, directed a film in 2014 called You Are Not Alone. Um. So it's an indie film, yes, Derek? Yes, very indie, very micro-budget. Just kind of a handful of people behind the scenes making it happen. Um, A lot of people in the Chicago theater community where I was living at the time, and uh, some producers, Mike Maggio, uh, John Reyes, um, really just kind of came through and made all of that happen with literally nothing. Um, We ran like a small Kickstarter uh, to, to raise the necessary funding. But yeah, it was just, um, basically a group of friends getting together and making a movie. Yeah. Which is awesome. Um, so this film, you know, we're, we're here to talk about, you know, Derek and his career, but, um, we're also going to focus on some holiday themed horror films. So this is one of them. Um, you are not alone. Takes place on the 4th of July, uh, holiday, which is kind of how we came together here. Um, I reached out to, I was creeping around the internet, reached out to who owns the rights uh, in the UK to the film, and they connected me straight to, to Derek um, through email. So it's been awesome to, to, to meet you and, you know, talk about the film. And uh, what's really cool about it is this movie is actually a first person, it's shot in first person. So that's like really, it's ballsy and it's cool. And I feel like it's not really done. Yeah, it, it was funny because when we were in, I think the last like week of pre-production, we had become aware of uh, Maniac, the the Elijah Wood yeah. uh, starring uh, reboot or re- remake, and we were like, "Oh my god, they've done it!" So like, this isn't going to be like the first, you know. But it, it it ended up working out, and obviously, it's a different perspective than that film, and obviously. Um, first-person perspective films go back to, I believe, the 50s with, um, gosh, what is it, Lady in the Lake, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So it's nothing new, but it was just like, you know, we really wanted to tell that kind of story, like you mentioned, a holiday set slasher film. And we're like, how do you do that differently? How do you make it unique? And so um co-writer do that when you don't have a huge budget right and it's like right you could have all the ideas in the world but without funding it's yeah well that just simplified the whole process because instead of multiple setups and getting coverage you know we were really having to map out and block the film from one 
singular perspectives, which was advantageous to us for from the budget perspective, but it was, you know, kind of um, a huge obstacle in trying to tell that kind of story in an interesting way. And, you know, like um, trying to make an audience feel something for a main protagonist that they never see. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely had its pros and cons, but um, but I, I was mentioning that uh, my co-writer, Chris O'Brien, and I, we were just like, you know, this just seems like the most natural way to kind of put a, a different spin on it or a unique spin on it. Um, sure. So thankfully, people weren't burned out after seeing Maniac and still wanted to see what, what we were up to. You know, it's uh, it's actually really fun to watch the progression of kind of the, the two different styles. Um, <clears throat> if you're familiar with the movie, which I feel like a lot of people probably are not, uh, you know, you start off with sort of like a coming of age story, um, just a group of friends having a good time. And, and then, you know, about 45 minutes, maybe 50 minutes in, we get a whole different movie almost, you know, uh, you're thrown into that traditional slasher. And it's just like, you're flipped on, uh, you get flipped on the other end and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a wild ride. Yeah. It's, it's funny because I feel like the, the two halves that make up the film, um, strangely enough, came, became kind of like uh, polarizing in that aspect. Like people either gravitated towards the first half or the second half. And, um, and, you know, like, I think the way that we were pitching it to get it made we were like well we're kind of starting off with uh you know like a link later slacker type film and then all of a sudden halfway through that film gets interrupted and it gets interrupted by a very archetypal slasher film um and i i you know i i was really excited about the prospect of like kind of mishmashing these two genres and i'm glad that you said coming of age because that was something that i really wanted to explore at the time and a lot of those feelings that you know uh, the main characters were going through I was sort of going through and I had really based a lot of the film on an experience that I had when I was coming back from I had just graduated college and I was living in Florida at the time and I came back um, to my hometown and I was visiting family and stuff and I ended up having the house to myself and we actually had a spree killer on the loose oh my god wait Um, are you fucking Dude. Yeah, yeah, you know, this is a hundred percent uh true. We there was a spree killer that was on the loose. Um uh he ended up murdering um a couple people in Rock Falls Sterling area and then fled and I believe he was eventually captured in St. Louis. Uh, but that was happening at the same time that I was visiting. Holy and I just shit, dude. just distinctly remember having um this text conversation with a good friend of mine. And I was walking back from a house party that I had just been to. And I was walking up to my parents' house. And, you know, it, it's a town of 1,500 people. So you're not exactly locking the door, or locking your car. Um, and I just, like, walked in my house. And my friend texted me. He's like, hey, uh, there's a police helicopter chasing that guy, that killer on the loose. Um, and it's, like, in the cornfields outside of town. Well, that's exactly where my parents' house was. Um, I was like, oh, great. This house has been empty all day. So I, I did the thing that the main character did. I grabbed, you know, the fire poker. And I was like, yeah, this is what I've got. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and vet every room real quick here. So, <laughs> holy shit. I can't even imagine that. 
Dude, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> also, I know I like how you say it's a town of fifteen hundred, so I wasn't too worried. Like, if you tell me one in one one in one uh, thousand five hundred people is a psycho killer, <laughs> not me away. Yeah, not good odds. But so, Derek, something very cool to mention, real quick, is um, you are from it's what Walnut, Illinois. Yes, yeah, we actually shot in the town where I was uh, where I grew up. Um, so I lived in Walnut, Illinois, which is a very rural, uh, very Midwestern place. Um, and funny enough, we found out that we had mutual connections. Yeah. So one of our very dear friends, um, uh, her, her name's Eliza Morris. She was in another indie film based out of Chicago called Killer Pinata. Um, she, um, is a patron of ours, dear friend of ours. She's marrying my best friend, and she's from Princeton, Illinois, uh, which is right next door. So think of, uh, you know, think of your, your, your neighboring town, like your rival, you know, football rival uh, <laughs> listener. So That's exactly what I was thinking yeah. of, John. <laughs> I got my, my which is accurate. Letterman yeah. jacket yeah, on, my yeah. Princeton Letterman's jacket yeah. on. That's what Jamie and I are dressed like right now. Um, but yeah, so she, and we're talking about towns this size, guys, everyone listening, like, and that was part of the lore that drew me to this movie because we've been friends with Eliza for a very, for a very long time. And I was like, Eliza, there's a movie made in fucking Princeton, Illinois, in your tiny town that you're from. And she was like, oh, yeah, cool. That, that's, that's amazing. And for years, I've literally been like slapping people in the back of the head about this movie. Uh, and then it just it kind of came to fruition. So I'll just yeah. keep fanboying <clears throat> about it. I, uh, I watched it today. Uh, finally, and um, I texted John, and I was like, "I'm 45 minutes in, and I just I haven't quit smiling." So, <laughs> yep. Because there's so many moments in that first 45 minutes, man, that just remind me so much of uh, kind of those college years and those post college years, which are so pivotal in all of our lives, especially nowadays when a lot of us come out of college kind of unsure of the next step. Um, you're like kind you're of wandering. Where, yeah. yeah, you're wandering, and I feel like that's kind of what she came back to, you know. Um, you know, Julie and fucking I know what you did last summer comes back Dude, from I, college, and yeah. there's all her friends kind of still milling around town, you know, working at the yeah. your father's store, or working on the boat, um, and that's kind of where this picks up. And like when they go to that party, like I I feel like I've had some of those exact same fucking conversations, you know, like. And that guy talking about the taco pizza. <laughs> and then he's like, uh, fucking skags. You're not even supposed to be here. Yeah. Like I, I was fucking dying laughing at that. And there's just so many moments in this movie, man, that are really cool. And then you connect with, uh, like, you know, I've, I've had a smoke session with so many friends where we're talking about the string theory and deja vu. And it just like shit like that just hit me really hard. Um, I that's such a delight to hear because you know like so much of that you, I don't think you know if it's gonna play or not or if it just feels like it's an in joke to you and your friends you know when you're when you're doing it so uh, I, I appreciate you saying that that's that's uh, very kind of you. Well, no, oftentimes um, in making art like this, it feels almost like I I'm by no means an accomplished really anything in life other than uh, father and maybe marketing professional, but. When I have done creative stuff, it feels cheap almost to reference like 
the organic parts of your life. And like, if you're writing a story and you're like, then they stopped at giant Eagle. It's like, well, no one, fucking, you know what I mean? Right, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, no one knows what giant Eagle is. Uh, that's just a grocery chain around me. And it's, it's, it's weird when you're doing that. Cause it's like, well, is this going to hit or is it going to like, did, will, will this make sense? Um, so it's just really cool to see that, you know, 450 miles away from where, where we are sitting right now, uh, you know, you, you, you did something that resonated with two, two dudes from the Midwest. So it worked. I, I, that is, uh, it's genuinely a relief, um, that it worked. And I, I think that there's something about, you know, I, gosh, we shot the film in 2012, the summer of 2012. Um, and I think back on, you know, what I wanted to do, uh, as a director and just as a filmmaker and how different that is now. But I think like in a weird way, I could have only made that film then um you know and i think that there's there's just such a freedom to doing something with no budget and just not knowing any better and you know getting a group of friends together um to to do something like that that uh i'm glad that that aspect of it came across yeah there's no there's no like the risk is limited right you're like hey if it flops like i didn't have a budget i did it with my friends it was fun Um, right but it's cool to to do something that has pretty limited, um, you know, limited expectation to it and, and just like have it hit. Right. And be like, Oh, you know, this is cool. And it worked out and, and people like it. So, um, it did, but so how, how'd you get into directing? So you said you went to call it, did you go to full sale in Florida? I, I did. Um, so I, I, it's weird. I don't know that there's ever been a time where I've been, wanting to do something else in that way like i i I think at the age of four i was making my version of uh three ninjas except i was at my grandparents house because they were the ones who had the the vhs camera so i was like all right they won't let me invite anybody over so this is now one ninja here we go um and rocky and you know like (laughs) (laughs) so um so yeah, I mean, like that—that's always kind of been in the back of my mind. And I was—some um, people know this, not a lot of people know this. Um, I was actually a race car driver for about ten years, and I was actually pursuing that professionally. So I think during that time, I wasn't uh, necessarily pursuing directing or anything in the in the film world. Um, so after you know, after that, I kind of rediscovered a, a love for for filmmaking and it was kind of coinciding with the time of uh you know finding finding an education and going off to college so uh like you said i went to full sale and decided to, to pursue it seriously and um and then i couldn't find a, a a better job to do while i was there i was like oh, surely i'll find something you know like i'll be a sound engineer or i'll be an editor or something and i just ultimately wanted to to direct despite despite uh probably better judgment um so yeah then literally since then i've been um uh, working in film and um writing producing directing and still doing that today so was horror was that at what age like were you obsessed with horror at a young age has this always been the uh like target for you 
I would say it's a morbid curiosity. I just, um, I was lucky enough uh, to have uh, parents who were just like fine with me watching whatever. (laughs) Um, And so I probably watched some things uh, at a very young age that I maybe shouldn't have, but I feel like I turned out okay. So I was watching like Night of the Living Dead and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and um, gosh, what else? Um, Toolbox Murders at oh, like <laughs> five or six you know just like it was like that oh ninja turtle oh, so it's a good it's a, it's a good balance um we have uh my kids would shit their pants yeah <laughs> my daughter's six jamie's son is seven and i can't ima- like dude i can't imagine i mean old man mr nevercracker on uh monster house is still kind of the limit <laughs> yeah. for them steve buscemi's teeth are yeah. too scary even in cartoon <laughs> form yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Derek, I mean, because a common thread amongst every guest that we have, we have graphic artists and filmmakers and actors and almost every single one of them that are obsessed with horror say the same thing. And they say, I had kid, uh, parents or, you know, uh, step parents or whatever that just kind of let me watch whatever. And they all got into horror probably at too young of an age. Uh, but everyone is still nobody's. A, a serial murderer as far as we know yeah. and everybody's doing just fine so yeah i it, it was funny it was like at the perfect time it was like you know kind of the boom period of early like mom and pop vhs stores like video rental stores and, right um we had hbo when i was growing up and so it's just like so in catching a town of 1500 things. people you probably only had one video store what was it called well it's funny because we had so we had two and they were like really unofficial. So one was uh kitty corner from where my, my childhood home, it was called uh, Magnuson. And it was just this like older couple that had a, uh, like a realty business. And then their side hustle was like, Oh, we have all of these VHS tapes. And I think like uh, original Nintendo video games you could rent. So oh, shit. Uh, those days, man. yeah. I so my sister right and I now. would just like, run across the street, rent whatever we could. And we became obsessed with just weird movies like Crime Wave, uh, Weekend at Bernie's. Um, yeah. Just, just, I don't know what our taste was uh, at the time. But um, but yeah, so there was that. And then um, we had a, a gas station, which funny enough, uh, the finale of You're Not Alone takes place at, which is kind of like... Really? My own... Yeah, that was like my own personal... Dude. acknowledgement of like that's that's where like my film knowledge my film history comes from oh i love I, that i feel like i just found out that like my dad used to be a prince or something that's like you telling me that information <laughs> i just feel like so just happy with that that's uh that's really cool that's really cool um um how about you guys? Uh, what, what was your uh, what was your local go to mom and pop VHS shop? So I can't remember the name of mine, but it was the same. I had two as well. Um, so growing up for me, I lived in this small town, uh, dude. You, if you saw this town, you'd be like, "Holy shit!" This might as well be near where I grew up because it's called Hubbard, Ohio. Okay, um, and it's very, <clears throat> it's like rural ish. Anyways, I had two. Very small, like, downtown area. It's not downtown. It's, like, the town square, I guess you would call it. Like, that area. (laughs) City center. But there's, like, two... There were, like, two on perpendicular roads within, like, a mile of each other. 
but they were both in, it was before like the movie gallery and Hollywood video days, you know? Yeah. Uh, they were exactly like you said, owned by older couples. And, um, I, I don't remember the name of either of them, probably like Smith video or something. Yeah. But, uh, I vividly remember going in there and just always coming out with shit. I probably shouldn't watch or the Care Bears movie. <laughs> um, I was obsessed with that fucking Care Bears movie with the kid with the red eyes. Yeah. Which scared me more than it should have. Yeah. Mine, uh, mine was called Movies to Go with a two, like the number two. I was going to say it has to have the number two, right? Yeah, Movies to Go. And my movie that I uh, I remember I beat the shit. Like the co- they actually had to take the copy off the shelf because I rented it so many times and I, I wore out the tape deck. Uh, but it was uh, Scooby-Doo meets the Boo Brothers. Um, oh, and oddly enough, I was just trying to find, uh, two days ago that, that movie, um, so that I could watch it with my kids. Cause they're, they're both really getting into Scooby, uh, at this point because they're six and three, but yeah, the Boo Brothers one, it basically was like a, uh, three stooges sort of, um, haunted house kind of story. But instead of the stooges, they were ghosts, um, similar kind of characters, but yeah. You know, what's funny it was, is my uh, youngest son, who's three. We just introduced him yesterday to Scooby-Doo and the Boo Brothers. Are you? And he fucking really? loves it, dude. Yeah. I'll hug you right now. <laughs> yeah, he like, because he'll watch stuff in the morning when I'm working. Um, I'll let him like in there and watch like when it's, because I get up at like 730. So I'll let him come in. He typically wakes up at eight. And so while I'm working, I let him come in and watch something on the TV, you know. And uh, yesterday he was like, but, uh, yeah, uh, Scooby-Doo. Brothers, and I was like, Wait, what? So apparently, my wife had been watching it with him the day before, the night before, and so I threw it on. And he just like, He have you he never turned away from the screen, dude. Have you watched it? Oh, yeah, okay. So I didn't remember this until you just started talking about this, but my dad had a an old like an old laptop from work, yeah. And I remember I was probably like, I don't know, nine maybe. And he uh, he was like, hey, here you can you can have this um, laptop, and I was like, I'm gonna write a novel. Oh yeah, one of those. Yeah, and he was like, <clears throat> okay, bud, yeah, good luck, get writing. John and Boy and the Boo Brothers. D- honestly, it was like Scooby Doo and the Pooh Brothers or something. Yeah, and it it was <laughs> basically the exact same story. Like I would kill to have a copy of this book right now. Yeah, uh, which was probably like six pages, but. Uh, it it pretty much was the same premise of the of the Boo Brothers, but like that was what yeah. prompted me. You write what you want, know. Yeah, yeah, want to be creative. I used to do that with Goosebumps. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Juice Pumps. Right. Yeah, by Jamie Fabian. <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, so your first film also takes place in the Midwest. I I've not seen it. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, Desolation Wilderness. Is that what it's called? Yes, um, that was a right out of college. Um, let's make a feature film. And uh, it was a, a real trial by fire uh, experience. Two weeks spent in Wisconsin um, in, uh, in actually a, a family cabin. Um, so that was, yeah, two weeks. I think we shot it for like 5,000 total. Whoa. Um, Wait, it was... Um... It was what what right? What was the town in Wisconsin? Oh, uh, so the town in Wisconsin's Rhinelander, and it's like kind of the very like northern point um, 
of Wisconsin kind of like the last uh, point where it's like, I think beyond that, it's like lakes and then Canada. Oh, um, wow. And, and yeah, we, we shot that like right when I think the 5D Mark II came out. We're like, oh, we can shoot something that looks kind of like film for a fraction of the cost. Because in college, we were shooting on like 16 millimeter or super 16. And then um, uh, all of the, the Panasonic 3 CCD cameras were coming out and everyone was putting those giant uh, spinning glass mirror adapters to kind of give it the look of like a shallow depth of field. And so that was like the first time where it felt obtainable. And um, yeah, again, a group of friends getting together. I think it was four of us total uh, for most of that. Do you have like a one sound guy, one guy on camera, and then two people in front of the the camera? Do you do you have a unit though that like anytime you're like, hey, I got a project coming up, everyone's like, yep, um, I'll do lighting, I'll do this, I'll do that, or um now yeah i mean it's it's part of our uh, commercial production company uh mythoi collaborative um in in austin texas uh yeah that's that's kind of our go-to now of like we're doing a short film just to knock the rust off we're doing commercials we're prepping features and uh a tv series so now now it's like you know uh, i think you kind of have the experience under your belt and now it's like okay it's finding actual budgets and making things happen. Cool. Very cool. Uh, now, how about acting, Derek? Do you do acting as well? And if so, do you like to put yourself in any of your movies? Um, I, I have had to put myself in my films, uh, not out of a choice, but just because that was the option available to me. Like, um, I, in You Are Not Alone, I play the uh the terrible ex-boyfriend of the main character on the phone um so that's my voice uh and then in in the first feature that i did desolation wilderness um i i am one of the main characters again it was just kind of on a necessity uh i don't know i kind of like acting i can't say that i'm necessarily good at it but it's fun to do sometimes here and there um and then just, you know, some commercial stuff here and there. I know we spoke to some other filmmakers that said that they were acting. And then once they started filmmaking, they kind of were like, okay, I don't need to be acting. I think Ryan Kruger might have, I think he still dabbles with both. Uh, but we, we spoke to somebody who like, they said once they started filmmaking, they were like, okay, I'm kind of over the acting thing. For sure. Um, but I've been told I play a pretty mean corpse. So mm. I've got that in my back pocket. Nice. You have that down. <laughs> Don't even require makeup. I just, I look real dead when I lay down. It's crazy. I've been slept in three days, yeah. ready to go. That's funny. Uh, so, so oftentimes though, just out of necessity, you'll kind of like pinch it and be like, all right, well, we need someone to do this part. I'll just jump in and knock it out kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, especially early on, like, I mean, Desolation Wilderness was so just like right out of college that I don't even know we had the means to find talent and definitely didn't have the means to pay talent. So it's just kind of like, can you write a character that's close enough to you that doesn't require a lot of uh, quote unquote acting? Um, And I think we did okay in that one. And then um, with You Are Not Alone, I mean, there was just, there were 
a lot of characters and lucky enough at that time I had built up a relationship um oddly enough with uh the, the improv comedy crowd in Chicago so a lot of people who came from uh Second City and IO and um a, a lot of the sort of just like institutions there and so people were just like fresh and ready to you know try try film um and so much of that filming experience was improvised you know like uh Chris O'Brien and I kind of wrote out the story and we knew where scenes needed to go but there was just so much freedom and then especially with shooting at first person perspective that we kind of just got people to run with it um so in that case it was just like oh we well we need a an ex-boyfriend who's going to be on voicemail i can do that (laughs) (laughs) it's incredible i always find it to be uh so um like i i always have such respect for actors that can sound so realistic you know like it's one thing to be like in a feature movie uh where you're supposed to be an actor but when you're supposed to be a real life character um, and you can pull it off to where like it doesn't seem fake or artificial. You know, I have such respect for that, and I think everybody really pulled it off in this movie. Yeah, I mean, part of part of that was just like having such a great pool of people to to pull from, and yeah. then part of it was like kind of knowing where a character, uh, what that character needed to do to service service the story, but like ultimately you could then rewrite that character to kind of lean into what a certain on-screen talent could do well. And you just kind of like fed them that material. Um, But yeah, everybody was, was great. Everybody was great to work with um, on it. And funny enough, I mean, our, our lead Krista um, isn't an actress by trade. And that's kind of why we brought her on because we knew that it was going to be a hybrid of camera operations, um, and and uh, really her probably. expertise behind the camera and then you know being able to give talent that's on screen something to to work with and i thought she was just she was great um and i think that was probably uh very present when we were running around walnut at four o'clock in the morning recording her screaming and yeah. just all of the lights sort of <laughs> coming on and people genuinely concerned because those are terrifying screams. Um, <laughs> Were people yeah, in great. town like into this or not? Uh, some yes, some no. Um, so a lot of people, I, I think most everyone was kind of aware that we were doing it. And we had a little bit of like local press while we were kind of prepping it. And, uh, you know, went around to neighbors' houses to be like, hey, we're going to be filming all hours of the night, just want to make you aware of this, and you know, like, you can voice your concerns now, and um, so a lot of that was great, and a lot of those people were friendly, and then, you know, that we we had some, uh, when we were doing the uh, car accident scene, one of the houses in that area, we had just the wildest drunk heckler um, oh, shit. <laughs> that we had to deal with, and it was just like, you know, what like Jamie and I uh, at Eliza's we, house, like <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> we brought in um, uh, the DP Ryan Glover and Krista the lead. Um, we brought them in from Toronto for the shoot. And I'm just like, yep, uh, this is my hometown. <laughs> I'm sorry, you have to deal with yeah. this heckler, but everybody else is pretty warm and inviting and <laughs> genuinely 
pretty great about it. What was this guy heckling? <laughs> uh, well, it was a woman, and she had a fresh cooler on her front porch. Oh, so well, I think she was, she was ready for the show yeah. and then uh, felt the need to, to be a part of it, um, yeah, which wasn't the best, but, uh, but we may do. I have a neighbor like this. And that neighbor is me. Uh, so, Derek, what were some of your uh, like greatest inspirations coming up? It sounds like you kind of came out of the womb with these like directorial aspirations. Yeah, I don't know what it was. I think I saw an episode of Movie Magic, um, and I was like, oh, that's what that is. I remember handing in some homework when I was in first grade and was like, give us four professions that you want to do and I think the first one I was, you know, drawing like a crude uh, camera crane and somebody sitting on it because I thought that that's what a director was. The guy who sits <laughs> in the chair on the crane. Got it. Uh, but um, but I, I think, I mean, like, I, I want to say that the first film I saw in a movie theater was Batman 1989 and uh-huh. uh, definitely wore out two of those VHS tapes growing up. Um, and I don't really think that I really gravitated towards anything until well into being a teenager and kind of revisiting film. And then um, and then I think the first film that really hit me, and it was just by pure accident, um, we were doing a, a remodel in the house I grew up in, and we were remodeling the bathroom. And I remember vividly, I didn't really want to do, to do that, being the teenager that I was. Um, and I caught AMC's, I forget what they called it at the time. I don't think it was Fear Fest. It was Monster Fest, maybe. Um, and I caught a marathon of the Halloween movies. And I was just like, oh, yep, this is it. This is exactly what I'm into. Um, yeah, dude. And, and it had been so comforting about years like- and years and years since I had seen them. Um, and I just was obsessed. I think I sat in front of the TV and watched all that they had the rights to play anyway. Yeah, um, what age was that? It's like 15 yeah. or 16, somewhere in there. Oh, dude, that's a great age for the Halloween franchise to like just come into. And, and, and I think at that time, all had been released. I want to say that that would have been like right when Resurrection had come out. It either came out or it was coming out. Yeah, um, I think that was like, nine, what, 99, 2000? 2001 somewhere in there yeah somewhere somewhere in there and um and so it was like yeah the whole series just kind of existed and it was i you know uh anchor bay was putting them all on dvd and i just i was just rabid at that point i was just consuming anything and everything that i could get my hands on and then buying you a know, buster the, rhymes figurine yeah yeah just quoting that around the house to no one um <laughs> No, I I, uh, I was pretty obsessed and pretty nerdy. Um, so I was like finding all of these really terrible GeoCities websites to just like consume trivia. And that was kind of like a through line growing up. It's just like, oh, I can learn facts about the Titanic or meteorology. And I'll just become <laughs> that. I'll become that kid just obsessed with it. Um, oh. And I did that with Halloween. I was just, yeah, uh, fanatical about it. That's amazing because I, I feel like, uh, you know, somebody who has those aspirations, once you see something like that, it kind of, and it clearly did, it kind of changes your trajectory and uh, puts you on a different path. 
for sure. I, I think I've spent the last 20 years then now wanting to just make Halloween. Um, yeah, that's, that's funny enough. Like that's kind of the lens um, that I used for you are not alone. I was like, what if Halloween took place on the 4th of July and go? Yeah. Yeah. But I also feel like you're clearly a child of the eighties and you grew up with, you know, uh, those movies that always had a core friend group uh, horror or otherwise, you know, the Goonies and stuff like that, that had a, a core group of friends that went on an adventure and you followed them through the whole film. Uh, and I feel like that's what you put, you know, that first 45 minutes is essentially that those kids grown up, uh, you all went to college. What do we have now? And, uh, right. then you still threw your slasher in there. I, I feel like, you know, especially after talking to you and kind of understanding where it all comes from, the film is fucking, it's outstanding, man. Oh, thank you. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, after seeing Halloween, I, I think there's kind of like a pre Halloween, uh, and a post Halloween in my life. Um, so that's, that's absolutely the film that made me want to, to do this. Yeah. Um, so what else, uh, do you have in the works? Uh, anything you want to plug? Um, so yeah, uh, I can't say too much about it, but currently in pre-production on something that we're going to be shooting, uh, funny enough during the Halloween season. Mm. Um, that always gets uh, uh, my antennas up. (laughs) So once, once we're able to, to share stuff on that, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Uh, cause that's, that's coming together and it's kind of a dream come true. Um, but yeah, um, outside of that, just, uh, just staying busy producing and, and directing. Uh, where can people, I mean, unless you don't want them to find you, uh, can people find you on social media to follow kind of like <laughs> stuff you're working on? Uh, I'm pretty inactive on social media, but people can find me on my Instagram, uh, human named Derek. Um, that's that's pretty much it i'm very inactive on twitter and and things like that but instagram i'll yeah it's our favorite outlet as well yeah yeah definitely that's our that's our desired platform do we want to dive into some uh some movies here some holiday holiday let's do it movies right i'm excited about this let's get in so how are we going to start john i know you always have we're going chronologically we're going to go from the fourth we're going to go from uh, the oldest to newest. Okay. The first film. So these are, uh, we kind of talked about it and picked these sort of together. So these are, uh, you know, selected together. But I found a really cool theme uh, amongst all three of these films, which, which I think is going to be relevant to mention. But uh, the first one, we're going to go back to 1975 to a movie not many of you have heard of, directed by Steven Spielberg, called Jaws. There is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. It lives to kill. A mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him jaws. (laughs) This is Universal's extraordinary motion picture version 
of Peter Benchley's best-selling novel, Jaws. I just found out that a girl got killed here last week. And you knew it. You knew there was a shark out there. You knew it was dangerous. But you let people go swimming anyway. Jaws is an absolute classic. Um, it's it's hard to say anything about Jaws now that hasn't been said already, but I'll just go ahead and say it. Uh, wow, is it the perfect tone for that film? Um, casted perfectly, uh, uh, paced uh, perfectly. It's it's uh, John Williams' score obviously is iconic. Um, I, I think the character simplistic. Quint. Yeah became like an absolute sort of uh, uh, writing touchstone and so much so that we're still referencing that character and the Indianapolis speech. Um, yeah, it, it is in every, uh, every, every definition perfect. Yeah, I mean, we, we totally agree. I agree, yeah. Do you, uh, do you guys want to know the release date of this film? Yeah. So John put together release dates for all these, which... He wanted to see if they correlate. So this movie came, okay. came out on June 20th. Um, so just prior to the 4th of July, you know, two weeks prior to the 4th of July uh, weekend, three weeks prior, uh, which I think is really cool. And what's funny is I instantly, like as soon as I saw that date, I don't know why I keep talking about my dad on this episode. I, I don't know if I ever talk about him on this podcast, but I'm going to do it again. Well, it's horror dads, man. I know, but we're, this Drop is the, the 41st episode, and I think this might be the second time I've mentioned him. Oof. Um, but, and I have a great relationship with my dad. Yeah. He just doesn't like horror. But he he tells me the story about how in, I guess, 1975, he was working at a gas station through college, right? And he was waiting for his friend named Quinn, which is not far off, right? Uh, named mm-hmm. Quinn to pick him up to go see this movie, to go see Jaws in the movie theater. And he said he was at the gas station, like sitting on a tire, like working, pumping gas for people. Yeah. Quickly leafing through trying to finish the book before Quinn picked him up to take him to the movies to go see the movie. Um, and I think my mom was there too. So like I have this, as soon as I saw like, oh, this came out June 20th, I was like, my dad was wearing these blue coveralls sitting on a tire, hair swept back, super greasy, super hot, uh, and, and like, and black grease smudges going on the uh, pages of, of Jaws as he's quickly flipping through trying to get to the end so his friend can come pick him up. Like, as soon as <laughs> I saw really that date... Romanticizing this dude, situation. <laughs> honestly, I did. And, and his brother... Okay, so the reason that this movie makes so much holiday sense to me, um, and I think the reason... You know, Jamie and I love this theme and this topic, and the reason that we love your movie is because we, um, 
we're pretty stringent throughout the year of not like watching something unless it's relevant for that time period, right? Yeah. So, oh yeah, we strictly do not we don't watch the thing until the first snowfall of the year, uh, and sometimes that's not till fucking December, and it's it's grueling, and you want to get that in there, but like we don't watch it until it snows. Um, so my uncle, <laughs> my dad's brother, uh, one year we were visiting him for the Fourth of July. And he, I was probably, I don't know, nine, 10 years old. He put Jaws on like 14, 14 times. Like as soon as it would end, he put it on again. Like he kept looping it. Like Jaws, <laughs> Jaws, 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 Jaws. And I just remember the moment, like I, I think I, in each, I sat on the couch and I watched it, I think 14 times in a row. Like I, I just kept watching this movie. Uh, and it, it just was so impactful to me and, and, and so embedded in the holiday, the 4th of July holiday. Yeah. It's it's always interesting to hear people talk about like what their personal uh uh moments are with like a, a film that's so so well known because despite everyone knowing about Jaws, like it just has that impact with you. Uh the first time you see it, the fifth time you see it, the thirtieth time you see it. Um and so that it's First of all, it's a very charming story about your dad and, and that, that entire setup. Um, but yeah, that's, it, it's, I can't even imagine seeing that on the big screen Man. as your first time. Yeah, I can't either. That opening shot, like the whole opening scene. Yeah, yeah dude. Bonfire, a guy running, I'm not drunk, I'm not drunk. And then you don't even see anything. You just hear and feel terror. Yeah. It's it's just such a great movie all in, um, but you know let's let's bring it to Fourth of July a little bit and talk about the holiday. So I think it's really fun, well, not fun, but the concept of the mayor being this like anti, you know the the villain basically, like he and the shark are one and the same, um, <laughs> but the shark's just being you know naturally motivated to eat, whereas the mayor is he knows better right uh well it's it's essentially greed over human interest is what it becomes yeah and it it's 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 fascinating to see that like economy and commodity and yeah uh, all, all of that matters to him more um than you know the expenses people's lives and he's like no no beaches are going to be open uh it's our profitable time of year yep i'm the mayor i'm here to protect the economy kind of deal uh and he keeps things open and that whole thing and we see it, you know, everywhere uh, around the 4th of July, even the pool that, you know, we belong to last year during COVID. It was like nuts up there and everyone was freaking out. Um, yeah. It was yeah. a similar sort of scenario. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I always feel, you know, like that the gravity of the holiday is really relevant in this movie because of that. So I always thought that was kind of fun. It it is and and also I'm so glad that you you kind of tied the shark and the mayor together in that respect because like if you look at the structure of Jaws, so much of the second act or even the latter portion of the first act where you're not seeing the shark, so much of that tension or so much of the conflict is being driven by the mayor. So they kind of swap out for one another uh, for the purposes of keeping that story moving forward, which is brilliant but also it's funny that 
what are we 40 plus years after that film's been released and everybody still has this stigma associated with sharks but not shitty mares turns out so <laughs> he got off scot-free yeah yep. we, we still like shitty mares um <laughs> but uh, brody's character is just the coolest he's the john wayne sort of presence where yeah, he's like definitely look i'm the outsider coming in doing the unpopular thing but the unpopular thing is not always the right thing so um he's trying to do the right thing be a good dad and just his character is so admirable and and cool and uh unfortunately they still talk about him in jaws 4 right jamie yeah yes (laughs) we just covered jaws 4 in our last episode (laughs) oh you guys had not seen it Jaws: no, Revenge. And, well, until well, we then. had, Ooh. but we did a uh, we did an episode on the worst entries in uh, horror franchises, and uh, Jaws Part <laughs> Four took took a spot. Yep. You guys weren't uh, enthralled by Michael Caine's uh, "I Need to Pay for This House" song in this movie <laughs> performance. Yeah. It's sad that Michael Caine couldn't save it. Yeah, we actually talked quite a bit about how. That guy can do no wrong yeah. until he can do until can't he do can. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I will be the first to dog on on that film, but I will say that I think the opening scene of Jaws the Revenge was maybe more affecting to me than than Jaws or Jaws 2 or Jaws 3D as a kid. Because I was like, oh, that's one of the main characters. He just ate his arm. Yeah. Um and uh, now I look at it and it's a little goofier, but at the time I just remember being like, oh my God, Nobody's they can do safe. anything in this yeah. movie. And it turns yep. out, uh, well, they, they couldn't. Um, Although I will but, say uh, if there's a bright spot to that movie, it's that intro, the beginning. It's, uh, and it's the only, is that the only part that takes place? We're, we're getting off subject, but I, I'm very curious. <laughs> is that the, any, the, the only place where they go back to Amity uh, in that fourth movie? I think so. That's that's a shame. Jamie just watched it, so he should yeah. he should be top of mind mm-hmm. with this. <laughs> I was focused, <laughs> taking notes um, rigorously. <laughs> uh, but so, uh, Jamie, what what are your thoughts on on Jaws and the holiday? And yeah, so it's I always start watching it right around June. Um, I love this one, man. I mean, what else? What what really can you say? Um, the imagery is, you know, I love how Sp- Spielberg famously said, you know, I didn't want to show too much of the shark uh, because if you show too much, it kind of, you know, takes the magic away and you'll yeah. see that it's not real. Uh, which, as I mentioned in the previous episode, Jaws for the Revenge does not, does not follow that principle. That same principle. And, uh, <laughs> it is much less effective. <laughs> Uh, I told John it's like a fucking school bus with a jaw that's like fucking <laughs> attacking people. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, the characters really set part one, you know, the original part. Um, just every, you know, like you said, you have this fucking John Wayne that's like, yeah. no, I'm not. And uh, I just love everything about like him. I love the interactions at home, even. Yeah, um, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I just love like. You know, him and Richard Dreyfus when they're at the house drinking. Drinking and, the wine? Yeah. 
And it's he's just not such... he's not saying but... anything at that table, dude. I if, I love that. If you that. know me, you know that I love setup. Yeah. And I love I love the interactions and uh, this is one of the it's like a staple for me just like that beginning like I can watch the first hour of this movie just nonstop. And nothing makes me want to like get a a faded like whitewashed jean jacket and fucking black beanie more than I know, watching dude. this movie. Yeah. I'll go put it on right now. <laughs> like when we go to the Outer Banks and it's like, Jamie, why are you wearing a black beanie and a it's jean a jacket? It's 97 fucking 97. Degrees, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on, buddy? Well, well that's what we do. Uh, um, all right. Do you guys have anything else to say about Jaws? Uh, two quick things. Um, Jaws has the most underrated uh, little exchange that I was uh, very, very happy was recognized the last time I saw it with an audience, and that is um, when Dreyfus's character has the pencil in his mouth and they have caught the shark in town, all of the other fishermen have, and uh, they're trying to figure out what shark it is. And he talks through chewing on his pencil and mentions that it's a tiger shark. And then the uh, the the gentleman's like, a what? <laughs> and it's just so lost on most everyone, but it's such a gem. And um, funny enough, one of the first dates that my wife and I went on we actually saw Jaws on the beach in Long Beach. And oh, seeing no the crowd react to that line was just like one of the most amazing things. Oh, what? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So that was the first. What, what was the other one? You said you had two? Uh, yeah, the other one is um, it's all of these moments that you realize in all of the films that came after Jaws that were sort of the uh, uh, nature exploitation uh films what it was missing and you guys touched on, on it and it's the little moments it's the little character moments it's um yeah it's you talk about you know brody being this sort of outsider who comes from the city and he's tasked with uh uh being the the uh, sheriff of this small island town but yet they don't ever shy away from kind of making him a little bit out of his element especially when he finally gets on the orca and you just go, oh yeah, this guy has no clue what he's doing, but he's trying to do his best. And yeah, I was like, going to say that really shows vulnerabilities really well. Yeah, he knows that the right thing is not the easy thing. Yeah, and it's just it's great to see a character embrace that and not be cool. And no, the, I was going to yeah. say it's funny because you don't see, you never get to see John Wayne out of his element. You don't get to see, yeah. you know, John Wayne on a boat, and yeah. that's essentially what the what this guy is. You know, like ah, I'm not comfortable here, and like right. And it allows for the perfect setup for them to have their Chekhov's gun moment with uh, the air tanks. Because you yeah. just see that as him sort of bumbling his way oh, around this boat, but it so perfectly too. sets up the ending. <laughs> and you don't even realize it until it's happening. Yeah. Chef's kiss to that moment. Yep. So good. Uh, so before we move on, I figured it might be fun to um, throw, to mention some of our other favorites for each holiday. So. Do you guys have some other July 4th favorites? Oh, fuck yeah. Oof. Uh, does the opening of Zodiac count? Because that, 100%. Yeah, dude, if it yeah. if it counts for you, it counts for us. I mean, okay. it just moved its way into uh, our... I love Zodiac, list. by the way. Uh, it's it's good. perfect. Yeah. There's this movie Found called You Are Not Alone. It's a first-person yeah. horror <laughs> film. Um, <laughs> um, I mean... I know what you did last summer as hell. Yep. Yeah. Uh, recently did a rewatch on that, 
and I, it has made me want to kind of revisit that that uh, period of time of the slasher revival, just like oh, dude, the first two screens. Yeah, John yeah. and I like when we go to bed at night, we kiss our little '90s horror, uh, just like section goodnight. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, urban legend. Good night, Freddie Good Prince night. Jr. Yeah. signed yeah. picture. I have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good night, Valentine. You got in. Dude, just exactly. Oh, yeah. I give Valentine uh, David a David Boreanaz, yeah. Angel, give me a high five, bud. Cherry Falls, Brittany Murphy, love you too. Yeah. And Sarah Michelle Geller, I actually uh, just did a little. Well, mini- she's already in bed waiting on me to come. Dude, no. To bed. If I swear to God, the only person I would ever, like, I'll fight you to the death for her. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. She's the love of my life other than my wife. I have uh, I Alexandria <laughs> Daddario. <laughs> but all right, uh, all right. Yeah, so, let's head to the next one. Yeah, real yeah. quick. Mine, my my Fourth of July. Oh, I yeah. come up with this little thing, and then I don't even get a chance to Uncle Sam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Silver Bullet is one for me. Um, oh yeah, like yeah shoots a firework at the fuck. Yeah, and um, of course I know what you did last summer. Yeah, but uh, also Stranger Things season three for me is a. The Friday, like, I, I'm about to get off work uh, Friday, July, whatever the fuck it will be, the second, whatever, uh, that Friday before the July 4th weekend, I always start yeah. the third season, uh, because that's a big July 4th season, and then uh, and I typically the finish it in one and, or yeah. two days, and dude, yeah, it's a staple for me. Another uh, season of that show might be showing up on the next movie we're going to talk about, yeah? Ooh, Maybe. So let's head to 1978 to another film probably none of you have seen. Um, <laughs> it's a, you know, another indie film. <laughs> uh, but we're going to go to 1978, directed by John Carpenter, Halloween. Halloween night. A small American town. 15 years ago. <laughs> Michael? All right, so this movie starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Donald Pleasance, everybody's seen. Um, the release date on this film was October 27th, 1978. Has one of the most iconic scores of all time, uh, similar to Jaws. And this, this movie really was the first one. So Jaws, even though it took place on 4th of July weekend, uh, or, you know, it was it's Fourth of July film for us as viewers, and it acknowledges um, as such. And it came out prior to Fourth of July. This is the first movie I think that came out that was like, all right, now moving forward, every holiday is not safe. Like we're gonna make a horror movie about it. Uh, and then that's when you started to see all the stuff that would crop up um, centered around holidays. You know, getting the leprechauns coming, uh, getting another film we're gonna talk about in a little bit here. You know, real quick, I just wanted to say it's so funny to think about having a Halloween without this movie existing. Like, can you imagine that? Like, growing up, you know, like, in the 70s and, like, that didn't exist? Fucking insane. Because our entire lives, it's existed. We've known it's existed. Like, 
the the absence of that would just be devastating to me. And life literally f- like revolves around it that time of year. Yeah, I mean, I'm wearing a fucking Michael Myers t-shirt right now. Yeah. What would I wear? Um, I would be naked otherwise, right? <laughs> no t-shirt takes its place. Just yeah. would not it's that or nothing. Like, Jamie, tuck your um, belly away, bud. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's... I, I, would, I would say that um, Halloween is just as far up on the spectrum as, as, as Jaws uh, when it comes to not like classic films, but just like films that almost come to identify their respective genres. And like with Halloween, it was such a massive success, even though that film in a bubble, I don't think is necessarily like a slasher film or a proto slasher film. It just kind of is its own thing. And people took from it what they thought was the, secret sauce whatever that ingredient was that you know made it made it sing and and so like it's funny that one of those elements was like oh my god it's a holiday you know and it, it defined a holiday so we have to find our own holiday to then set something on um it's just like such a weird perfect storm of a movie too i mean like on paper i don't know that any of that should have worked um and yet these people who made a film for next to nothing by those standards made a complete masterpiece and i mean some of it so much of it is carpenter so much of it is deborah hill so much of it is dean cundy's photography which i still like whenever i see that in a movie theater now i'm just like i'm kind of blown away by it because so much of its sensibilities still are pretty contemporary or or, or modern um i mean he he uh, is just the real deal so much, so much of that film, I think, just infused in my DNA, and I was just like, "That's what movies look like." So make something that looks like that. Yeah, like his um, work and on, then, on the thing is so, so good. It's incredible, and 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 the funny thing is, the thing might be Carpenter's best film, but I think that Halloween is my favorite of his, and a lot of that is sentimental and and nostalgia and. Um, my feelings towards it but uh but yeah i mean it's just it's a it's really great and it's also just like really interesting to watch that film with audiences today who are seeing it for maybe the first time um because there's a lot that still works for people even though 40 years plus those things have become tropes that have become commented on you know we were just talking about the 90s slasher boom so much of that was sort of predicated on people being aware of these rules or or that structure or you know that's just that is what a slasher film is and when it was done to death throughout the period of the 80s you know people are like oh, i don't know really what to do with it it seems dead but to see that film in 1978 just i can't even imagine and, you know there's a couple uh audio recordings that you can find online of like audiences reacting to it to the first time it's just like i just can't can't even fathom um, it's kind of like uh, my my mom told me this this story because we were talking. I was like, "Well, what, what was the first movie that you saw in the theater?" And she was like, "Oh, it was uh, 2001." And I was just like, <laughs> "Did you just think that that's what movies were? How is everything else not a total disappointment to you?" Yeah. Oh man. We so we had um, 
J. Bodden Singa on who wrote uh, the Walking Dead novels. Okay. And, and he was talking about showing Halloween to his kids uh, for the for the first time. And they were like, oh, this is boring. Not into it. I don't get it. And he, he his comment was like, uh, basically, oh my God, they've already seen this movie basically 400 different times because it's been like parts of it's inspired so many other things that so many other movies have basically picked it apart and taken, you know, scenes and themes and tropes and concepts and, you know, used it for its own utility and other applications. And over the years, he, 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 his comment was, oh my, you know, my kids have seen a different variation of this movie so many times. So it's diluted by this point for them. Um, and he said he got really bummed out by that. And then he showed him the exorcist and like one of the then, kids friends had to go home or something. Yeah, like, called his mom crying. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, John, it's like, uh, your teenage son who loves metalcore, and you're like, uh, listen to kill Em all by, Met- by Metallica. Yeah. And then they're like, yeah, no, I mean, I've heard that exact riff just like done better dad. Yeah, exactly. Like, all right. Fuck off you little <laughs> shit. When you look at that original Halloween, it, it seems so quaint in comparison and like, um, you know, even when uh, David Gordon Green's uh, Halloween came out in 2018, there was a lot of discussion about it of like, could you even make a film like the 1978 Halloween and it play well to a general audience? And I don't think that Halloween 2018 is that film, but I do agree. I just don't know that someone really could make um, a film like 1978 that's just sincere, earnest, um, small, uh, and direct. Um, no, and it's mean, still it's just, it won't play well. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to be wrong. I just don't, don't know that that's the case. Did you like Halloween 2018? I did. Um, I, so I have, um, a few personal, uh, connections to it. So my experience is always going to be sort of colored by that. Sure. Um, and then also simultaneously, my wife and I attended the uh, 40th anniversary um, in, in Pasadena. So like I was kind of riding the high sure. of all of that. So, um, you know, it, it's kind of hard to go in, into it uh, without that factoring in. But um, but I, I, I enjoyed it. And um, I think I've only revisited it once uh, since then. And I, I had I had fun with it. I think we, Jamie and I, we went to the drive-in to see uh, 2018 one. It was raining. We went with our wives and um, that was fine. Like we didn't have any personal ties to it. And I totally understand that concept. Like whatever your next movie is, I already like it. It hasn't been made yet. Um, But you know, we're in. So like we, it's, it's that concept, right? Like you, it's why I suck at, fantasy sports because i'm like no i like my players right and i <laughs> that's like i yeah, already that, love halloween kills yeah. uh, you know regardless yeah i'd rather have it than not have it and yep. it's going to be remade again and honestly yeah. i that's that's just like resurrection for instance we all hate on it uh but i'd rather have it than not you know yeah but it's I always there maybe if you a want it version and you yeah, Certainly. you're not you're not forced to watch it. Yeah, but I like knowing that it's there. And it's funny to talk. And you about. know what? I will watch it. 
So was Resurrection the the black sheep then yes. of the Halloween franchise? Yeah, it was. That's what Jamie picked. Yeah. I so we we didn't each select from the same franchise. We we each just picked five black sheep, uh, like undetermined in advance, and that's the one he picked. I I think Rob Zombie's Halloween two uh, is the absolute basement for me of that franchise. Yeah, and that, to be honest, that would be for me as well. Uh, but for the purpose of that. Uh, episode I stuck to the original uh, franchise, not the the yeah. secondary spinoffs. Yeah, I mean I did. Now when it came to Nightmare on Elm Street, I did use the remake because uh, oh, now you're diamond on yourself, man. That's all right. <laughs> I can okay. do I can do what I want. Hey, you did a great it's job. Our, it's our podcast, John. <laughs> we can do what we want. All right, you guys want to head to our last movie? Wait, wait. Sure. Other oh. Halloween favorites? I mean, I feel like they're probably, we all have the same. Yeah, Trick or Treat. Yeah. Trick or Treat's great. Um, there are just so many trashy films from the 80s. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. Um, it's, a, it's probably one of the worst movies I've ever watched, but for whatever reason, the Halloween atmosphere of it always kind of brings me back to it. I don't know why. It is again. I'll reiterate. It's one of the worst things I've ever watched. Uh, <laughs> Flesh Eater, nineteen eighty eight. Flesh Eater, Eater by uh, Bill Hinsman, oh. the original Cemetery Zombie. I- I've never seen this. Flesh Eater. This, yeah. So this is like his. It's his spinoff of Night of the Living Dead. So like you know, John Russo goes off and writes Return of the Living Dead as a novel, and then that gets adapted, becomes its own thing. Romero does Dawn of the Dead, obviously. So in 1988, Bill Hensman's like, well, I'll make my own uh, zombie continuation of that. And so he basically reprises his role as the cemetery zombie and writes and directs. And I don't know if he did the music, um, but it is garbage. But I can't stop watching it. And it's not like a so bad it's good way. It's just like something actually kind of works about it. I can't put my finger on it while everything else doesn't and i will i've seen it probably three or four times now yeah i can't explain to you the shit that's popping up on amazon right now when i typed in flesh eater (laughs) (laughs) there are like magic the gathering cards populating and others so uh i'll one off with you on how i can how i can find that man because i'm super interested in seeing that okay fair enough Uh, as as uh lesser known movies i always like to watch tales of halloween yeah, I mean, it, it's a fun, fun yeah. one. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good to have some, on in the background, a, yeah. Like any anthology film, it's got its good segments and bad segments, but uh, that's one of the, you know, there's obviously a million Halloween movies that we all love, uh, but that's one of the offshoots for me. Yeah, Halloween 4 and 5 um, really, I feel like, embody the the sentiment and the feeling of, like, it's Halloween time <clears> kind <throat> of deal. In the past few years, uh, four and five have become yeah, I, on yeah. a pedestal for me. I know. The, the mask is terrible in five, but I don't care. Yeah, and I, I feel like they're the one movie. I kind of view it as such and watch them in quick succession. Each yeah. time I put on four, I immediately follow with five. So, yeah. Yeah, no, four uh, and five guys... are like, honestly, pita, peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. Have you guys uh, ever done the theater viewing? I know every few years, uh, the same company will program the, those and the original 
in, in movie theaters. I, I saw it probably 10 or 15 years ago, both of those back to back in a movie theater. I had a, I had a new appreciation for uh, five after seeing it on a big screen. It was primarily the nighttime photography of it. We have not. It was the first, We've not, but first time I think in that entire series where blue light wasn't used as moonlight and it was kind of like what true mm. moonlight without any any color associated with it was used. I just thought it was a really interesting choice and looked looked great. That is um, interesting. Now the uh, telekinetic uh, connection between Jamie and Michael and the mask and the hermit, all that the clown cops, you know, all that aside. The theater doesn't I, I save that. that. No, <laughs> you can't. Yeah, no, that's front and center. Yeah. Uh, the, the first time John and I went and saw uh, the original Halloween at the drive-in a few years ago, uh, our, we, we have one of the, uh, there's not that many drive-ins left in America. No, there are. We have a, a pretty great one nearby. Uh, it's called Elm Road Drive-In, and they just like, you know, they specialize in, they have three screens, so it's typically newer stuff coming out. Uh, but every Halloween, they always have a, a fun little horror schedule they have, and they did the original Halloween, and then it was followed up by Halloween 4 for some reason. Yeah. Which I found to be odd, um, and we had to leave. Our wives made us leave, and we were but drinking we went, yeah. We were drinking pumpkin, uh, which you probably shouldn't do with the left, driving, but yeah. we were, and we had to leave. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I love those movies. Yeah, me too. All right, so let's go into the last one. Yeah. Oh, dude, this is a fucking fun one. I'm I'm really glad you picked this one, Derek. 1986. Um, yes. Sorry. I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You want to introduce this one, man? Uh 1986's April Fool's Day. Paramount Pictures cordially invites you for a weekend getaway at the party to end all parties. This is the craziest party that could ever be. <laughs> Turn on lights, cause I don't want to see. <laughs> April Fool. Welcome to my home. And lifestyles of the rich and undeserving. Wrong. Oh, Join eight privileged guests who are just dying <laughs> to have fun. Um, which is the perfect storm of 80s cinema. Uh, I, so many, so many people pop up in this this one. I have sometimes in, literally in this uh, <laughs> in my show notes. I have this embodies the era um, to the fullest extent. I, so I completely agree with you. Um, yeah, it, it is. It's definitely uh, Sean S. Cunningham cashing in on his uh, Friday the 13th success, um, no doubt. Even some recurring yeah. uh, uh, actors from that series with Amy Steele, Amy Steele uh, yeah. most prominent. Um, but there, there's, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm struggling with the names, but there are two actors who are in uh, just one of the guys who, yeah, who pop up guy. in this. Griffin O'Neill? Yes. Yep. Yeah, and I think uh, Deborah Goodrich or Goodrich. Yes. Yep. Deborah Goodrich is in this too. Yeah, man. I mean, I love the Clayton Roner too. The the dude who plays Chaz. Chaz. Yep. 
he's the, he's the he is the best friend. He's the best friend and just, just one, one of the guys. guys. Yeah, exactly. Yep. All right. You yep. know what day this movie came out? I do not. So do not. I'm, I'm gonna guess. Uh, I'm gonna say March twenty eighth. You're exactly correct. Buddy. Yes. <laughs> Dude, how could that be? March twenty eighth, nineteen eighty six. Yeah. So. All three films came out in quick sequence to their to their holiday uh, theme, which is really really cool, um, considering what we're talking about. But I mean, what a fun, just aptly named, aptly executed twist ending. Uh, would you guys be pissed if you saw this in the theater? Would you be pissed if this happened to you in real life? <laughs> yes, yes, I I would throw Muffy in that lake, dude. Yeah, we're not going to do spoiler alerts for anyone that uh, hasn't oh seen God. this, but the ending... It's tough. It's tough to yeah. talk about this and not. Yeah, the ending, uh, there's a, there's an April Fool's uh, to the ending, so... I and, mean, you just spoiled it. But you're going to be pissed if this happens to you, <laughs> is my point. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, Derek, imagine, just imagine this. <laughs> Like you're in that closet. I love you. I love you, kid. <laughs> like if I find out, like I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm leaving. No, I'm out. I, I honest to God, I wouldn't even stay and party with all that champagne. I'd just be like, fuck, no, all of you forever. And John and I were talking about how it's so funny because like Kit is unbelievably pissed as she should be, and she's like, oh, ha ha ha. Yeah. Uh, like, but then oh. literally three minutes later, she's locking arms with somebody dancing while chugging a bottle of champagne. And it's like, oh, no, I couldn't. Yeah. It's it's uh, <laughs> one of the few viewing experiences that you have where I think afterwards you are probably thinking about the movie more than you were during it. Um, I know <laughs> yeah. that I was just like replaying like, okay, well, if so-and-so knew, what were they doing? Oh, you start doing Probably all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, and not in a bad sense. way. I don't think it ever yeah. takes away from it. I've, I've never had like a negative uh, uh, feeling after after watching it, especially the first time that I remember really watching it all the way through. Um, but I just, yeah, I'm like, so yeah, what the hell were they all doing? Um, maybe they couldn't show that in the movie, but right. uh, it was, yeah, it's a fun time. It's like, it's almost it's almost a caricature of the eighties in a, in a lot of ways. Definitely. Like it's it's yeah. pulling from um, yeah. the sort of like uh, uh, nerds like Revenge of the Nerds franchise a little bit. It's taking from like the teen comedy franchise, tra- uh, really popular franchises. Um, it's pulling talent from. I mean, there's like Thomas Wilson is in it. The same what a year later after the first Back to the Future. Um, uh, yeah, I mean it, and and obviously it's cribbing the holiday slasher film, um, and and it's funny because it kind of gets put on all these lists. I think it might be easier for people to be aware of it now than like, you know, I I think I watched it for the first time all the way through when I was like fifteen or sixteen, and I just had no idea. I just knew it was kind of lumped in with all of these other holiday slasher films, so I was expecting it to just be sincere straight to the point you know murders are happening and sure. <laughs> that big april fool's joke um 
Yeah, and I, I was actually kind of, uh, I, I think I was really happy with the way that it played out. Um, granted, if I saw this in 1986 and I went to the movie theater, maybe I would have a different feeling. I would definitely have a different feeling if it was actually happening to me. I'd be pissed. Oh, God. Oh, dude. Just fury. <laughs> but yeah, this this movie is so excellent um, for a million different reasons. And I, I've done the thing, too, that you described it so well of like... <laughs> one of the movies you think about more after than than during um where i tried to like reason with myself on like man you know that's sort of unrealistic and it's like nope can't go there can't can't do that <laughs> um you're just supposed to have fun with this movie and it's it it's so much fun uh the music the that fucking song wait have we talked about this music before and what it reminds us of no because it reminds me so fucking much of Donkey Kong Country underwater, like the underwater levels. <laughs> oh, oh, you're talking about the like interlude stuff, that, like, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I can't even. But it, it, it just like it takes me to fucking Donkey Kong underwater. I, I do. I love all the music, but I was talking about that like ridiculous like the song at the hey, end. No, you're crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> Our, like the vaudeville, whatever. Yeah. Our our friends on a on another podcast just did like a a soundtrack episode, and they were talking about. I thought this sound that that song was made Ugh. for this movie one million percent, and they were yeah. they were talking about how it was not. It was just something that existed, right? And it was like, what? Like someone made that fucking song? Mm. Uh, which is crazy and funny. Jamie, do you have any other April Fools' movies that you like to watch? I. I think the only other one is Slaughter High, right? There's a... I don't know if it's a remake, but there's another movie called April Fool's Day. Yeah. I've not seen it. No. Based off the cover, I don't want to. No, I I don't want to. Yeah, that's the one with uh, Scout Taylor Compton from the Halloween remakes, I think is in that. The Um, other April Fool's Day? Yeah. Have you seen it? Do you recommend it? it? I have seen it, and I think I forgot it the moment I watched it. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, it was a real, like, it was just on in the background on some cable, like uh, like Cinemax or Showtime or HBO. Right. One of yeah, those. right. Um, and I want to say that it's a very loose, you know, no real ties to this film or the plot of this one outside of it. Yeah. The prank, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, there aren't too many April Fools' uh, horror films. It's no, kind of like having like a uh, a Labor Day horror film, <laughs> right? Serial <Yeah. laughs> uh, mom, yeah. I guess that's the only one. Oh, <laughs> uh, that one's that next month. Yeah. Um, yeah, can't wear white after Labor Day. <laughs> yeah, Slaughter High. I think that might be the only other one. And uh, that's a good one. That's on Tubi. Uh, yeah, yeah, this other um, April Fool's Day came out in 2008. I was yeah. going to say, it looks more uh, modern. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So wait, yeah, is that, that is... have we established, is this a remake? or? It looks like, if you look at this scene, yeah, it, it's gone. But yeah, it looks like it is. Yeah, a, I think it's adaptation. more of an in-name only remake. Which was uh, very much in vogue. Oh, so they don't the use that the that was premise. Made. I mean, it's very loose. 
I want to say. Um, and it's definitely not, it's definitely not this sort of uh, lake retreat. Uh, that's that's in the original. Film. Yeah, I love that. That's vibe. what I, I love, love so much about it. Yeah, fairy ride. It's like vibe, Harper's yeah. Island, you know. Yep, exactly. Harper's Island always gives me a huge fucking. Um, uh, it sounds like I'm going to say boner, but I'm not. I'm going to say uh, You're really hanging on it. Too, April like Fool's a, Day a huge, vibe. Um, um, what's it called? <laughs> that thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Not that Harper's Island doesn't give me a boner, but well, it's just a mediocre. Yeah, yeah like it's a, <laughs> it it's really, a fine it, dude. Yeah. It really is. No, here's yeah. the thing: is it really is a mediocre show. But I remember, like it. It all depends on when you stumble up, uh, across it. And when I found it, I was so pumped to just like stumble upon this. And I texted you, and you were like, "Oh yeah, no, of course, yeah, Harper's Island." I was like, "What? Yeah, I remember. You known about this? Yeah." <laughs> When I found Dead of Summer, because Steve Miner directed uh, no. an episode. John, yeah. you threw that in the trash, as you should. Dude, well, I bought it on Amazon. Like, I bought the I whole season on Amazon. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, God. I remember dude. you texting me, like, dude, I'm pumped. I just uh, purchased this. <laughs> you can't I, look at the I cover. I said, yeah, I started uh, that and deleted it from my TiVo. I think that's it. That brings us to the end. Derek, this was super fun, man. And I feel like... Uh, this was great and we just appreciate you coming on and can't wait to see what you do next. And we're, we're going to keep in touch with you, man. Yeah. Likewise, this was a, a blast. And, uh, um, I, I didn't get a chance to make my case that we need more holiday horror films. Uh, Gary Marshall had his run of holiday films with, you know, 20 plus celebrities starring in them uh, about 10, 15 years ago. We need to bring that back throw in a slasher now you got yourself a movie um but uh no this is great uh thank you guys for for having me on um love talking about uh classic horror films and also trash horror films uh equally uh yeah thanks guys we do we do it all here at horror dads yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right so derek real quick what's your favorite holiday oh uh I would say St. Patrick's Day. No, it's it's Halloween for sure. It's uh, 100%. I, I'm looking at uh, my wife and I's place right now, and it looks like we're decorated for Halloween year-round. Yeah. Um, yeah. We empathize. Yeah. <laughs> what second to that would be St. Patrick's Day? Um, oh, gosh. I. It's like really just Halloween for me. Halloween and, you know, whenever we're not in the city, 4th of July can be fun. It's just 4th sure. uh, of July in Los Angeles, not a great time, especially when you have two cats. Yeah. Derek, thank you, man. <laughs> we great. appreciate you. And uh, we'll talk Thanks, to you next guys. time. Yeah, dude, this was a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Sounds good. Take care, guys. <laughs>